Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are revisiting Claiming Victory by Saving Yourself, Tapping into Your Power. No one is in the partying mood every day, nor does every day feel like a party. We can see the obstacles ahead of us and feel defeated before we even get started. We carry the struggles and failures of our past with us, making each step harder than the last. Or we can choose to step out unencumbered, empowered with positivity, and believe V is for victory, not victim. It's a choice, and you have it. Some days you're naturally pumped because everything is going just as planned, fists in the air, the crowd chanting in your head. And other days, it's all you can do to show up. What you tell yourself and how you attack your day directly affects your outcome. It's okay to carry your own confetti. Ready to throw the party? Someone one time. Okay, actually, people ask me all the time, are you always this happy? Or sometimes they phrase it as a statement, you cannot be this happy all the time. And they would be correct, but this happy is relative. I realize that my mood is my choice, and no one can make me feel anything I don't want to feel. Guess what? I want to feel happy. You got it. A follow-up question or statement I usually hear next is, how do you let things roll off your back so easily? Well, the answer to that is, I don't always. But again, I have to make a conscious effort to let go and move on. The primary reason I find that so doable is, I don't like to be in a bad mood. I don't like the feelings of stress, anxiety, or sadness. I don't like to be melancholy or irritated. You know what I do like? I like to problem solve and divert my attention to things that make me happy, make me feel creative, and that nourish my soul. It's a bonus when I can pick up all three feelings in the same activity. You have to want to succeed to feel successful. I also have to constantly check my power and control. These two words can have you soaring or keep you nailed down wondering why you can't move. Not everything and everyone is under my control. And I don't have the power to change people or the past. If I use those statements as a guide and filter all struggles through them, I find letting go and moving on is really the only option. What is preventing you from feeling victorious? Remember, the journey of self-discovery is about education, exploration, and enlightenment. Let's dig a little deeper into victimization and feeling victimized to understand how to achieve victory. Crystal Raypole walks us through this exercise in an article she wrote for Healthline.com, 
How to identify and deal with a victim mentality. Do you know someone who seems to become a victim in nearly every situation? It's possible they have a victim mentality, sometimes called victim syndrome or a victim complex. The victim mentality rests on three key beliefs. Bad things happen and will keep happening. Other people or circumstances are to blame. Any efforts to create change will fail, so there's no point in trying. The idea of victim mentality is thrown around a lot in pop culture and casual conversation to refer to people who seem to wallow in negativity and force it upon others. It's not a formal medical term. In fact, most health professionals avoid it due to the stigma around it. People who feel trapped in a state of victimization often do express a lot of negativity, but it's important to realize significant pain and distress often fuel this mindset. What does it look like? Well, Vicki Botneck, a licensed marriage and family therapist in California, explains that people identify with the victim role when they veer into the belief that everyone else caused their misery and nothing they do will ever make a difference. This leaves them feeling vulnerable, which can result in difficult emotions and behaviors. Here's a look at some of those. Avoiding responsibility. One main sign Botnik suggests is a lack of accountability. This might involve placing blame elsewhere, making excuses, not taking responsibility, reacting to most life hurdles with, it's not my fault. Bad things really do happen, often to people who've done nothing to deserve them. It's understandable that people who face one difficulty after another may start to believe the world is out to get them. But many situations do involve varying degrees of personal responsibility. Consider job loss, for example. It's true, some people lose their jobs without good cause. It's also often the case that certain underlying factors play a part. Someone who fails to consider those reasons may not learn or grow from the experience and could end up facing the same situation again. Not seeking possible solutions. Not all negative situations are completely uncontrollable, even if they seem that way at first. Often, there are at least some small action that could lead to improvement. People who come from a place of victimization may show little interest in trying to make changes. They may reject offers of help, it may seem that they're only interested in feeling sorry for themselves. Spending a little time wallowing in misery isn't necessarily unhealthy. This can help with acknowledging and processing painful emotions. But this period should have a definite endpoint. After that, it's more helpful to begin working toward healing and change. A sense of powerlessness Many people who feel victimized believe they lack power to change their situation. They don't enjoy feeling downtrodden and would love for things to go well. But life continues to throw situations at them from their perspective. They can do nothing to succeed or escape. It's important to be mindful of the difference between unwilling and unable. 
Botnick says that some people who feel like victims do make a conscious choice to shift blame and take offense. But in her practice, she more commonly works with people who experience deep-seated psychological pain that makes change truly seem impossible. Negative self-talk and sabotage. People living with a victim mentality may internalize the negative messages suggested by the challenges they face. Feeling victimized can contribute to beliefs like, everything bad happens to me. I can't do anything about it, so why try? I deserve the bad things that happen to me. No one cares about me. Each new difficulty can reinforce these unhelpful ideas until they firmly entrench in their inner monologue. Over time, negative self-talk can damage resilience, making it harder to bounce back from challenges and heal. Negative self-talk often goes hand-in-hand with self-sabotage. People who believe their self-talk often have an easier time living it out. If that self-talk is negative, they may be more likely to unconsciously sabotage any attempts they could make towards change. Lack of self-confidence. People who see themselves as victims may struggle with self-confidence and self-esteem. This can make feelings of victimization even worse. They might think things like, I'm not smart enough to get a better job. Or I'm not talented enough to succeed. This perspective may keep them from trying to develop their skills or identify new strengths and abilities that could help them achieve their goals. Those who do try to work toward what they want and fail may see themselves as the victim of circumstances once again. The negative lens they view themselves with can make it difficult to see any other possibility. Frustration, anger, and resentment. A victim mentality can take a toll on emotional well-being. People with this mindset might feel frustrated and angry with the world that seems to be against them. How many times have you felt that way when things aren't going your way? We've all heard the term, when it rains, it pours. Doesn't it feel like that? They might also feel hopeless about their circumstances never changing, hurt when they believe loved ones don't care, resentful of people who seem happy and successful. These emotions can weigh heavily on people who believe they'll always be victims, building and festering when they aren't addressed. Over time, these feelings may contribute to angry outbursts, You know, just snapping, depression, isolation, and loneliness. So where does it come from? Very few, if any, people adopt a victim mentality just because they can. It's often rooted in a few things, like past trauma. To an outsider, someone with a victim mentality might seem overly dramatic. But this mindset often develops in response to true victimization. It can emerge as a method of coping with abuse or trauma. 
Facing one negative circumstance after another can make this outcome more likely. But remember, not everyone who experiences traumatic situations goes on to develop a victim mentality. But people react to adversity in different ways. Emotional pain can disrupt a person's sense of control, contributing to feelings of helplessness until they feel trapped and give up. Betrayal. Betrayal of trust, especially repeated betrayals, can also make people feel like victims and make it hard for them to trust anyone. If your primary caregiver, for example, rarely followed through on commitment to you as a child, you may have a hard time trusting others down the line. What about codependency? This mindset can also develop alongside codependency. A codependent person may sacrifice their goals to support their partner. As a result, they may feel frustrated and resentful about never getting what they need without acknowledging their own role in the situation. Let's take a moment to sideline because this is right up my alley. I am a codependent, and it took me years to come to grips with that term. See, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. It was everyone else around me. I was doing it all, and I felt powerful at first. Then take it for granted, and eventually powerless. Why couldn't people just do what I was telling them to do? We would have all been happier. Do you even hear yourself? How insane is that? You would be happier if you just did as I said? (sighs) However, in the throes of this behavior, it sounds totally logical. And if people just followed the advice, everything would have turned out just fine. If you're listening to this rationalization and shaking your head in agreement, let me save you some heartache. People are not going to do what you say, and your happiness should not be reliant upon it. Detaching from the responsibility for others' emotional happiness is quite possibly the most impactful lesson I've ever learned. Now, I'm still a people pleaser to some degree. This is a deeply rooted compulsive behavior and for me a knee jerk in every way. But I'm aware, and with awareness comes change. Matt is fully aware of the characteristics, and without irritation or judgment, he will gently nudge me in the right direction to get back on track. Sometimes it's as simple as, you don't have to worry about that. And I'm snapped back into the present and able to see my own behavior. I immediately relax after this revelation. This is not my problem, and I don't need to worry about it. It's okay to be helpful and be concerned with the welfare of others. But for some people, there's a very fine line between care and control. One fun way to combat this is to consume yourself with your own wants, needs, and desires. We aren't talking about being selfish or self-centered or shirking your responsibility of parenting, let's say. 
we're talking about focusing on getting to know yourself, to find out what makes you happy, independently of serving and controlling others. When you redirect your energy and channel your resources into your own positive direction, you will be shocked at how fast the current goes and the victorious feeling that will overwhelm you. Give it a try. What about manipulation? Some people who take on the role of victim might seem to enjoy blaming others for problems they cause, lashing out and making other people feel guilty or manipulating others for sympathy and attention. But Botnik suggests toxic behavior like this may be more often associated with narcissistic personality disorder. So how should you respond? It can be challenging to interact with someone who always sees themselves as a victim. They might refuse to take responsibility for their mistakes and they blame everyone else when things go wrong. They may always seem down on themselves. But remember that many people living with this mindset have faced difficult or painful life events. This doesn't mean you have to take responsibility for them or accept accusations and blame, but try to let empathy guide your response. Avoid labeling. Labels generally aren't helpful. Victim is a particularly charged label. It's best to avoid referring to someone as a victim or say they're acting like a victim. Instead, try to compassionately Bring up specific behaviors or feelings you notice, like complaining, shifting blame, not accepting responsibility, feeling trapped or powerless, feeling like nothing makes a difference. It's possible that starting a conversation can give them a chance to express their feelings in a positive way. You also may need to set boundaries. Some of the stigma around a victim mentality relates to the way people sometimes blame others for problems or guilt-tripping them into getting their way. You might feel constantly accused, as if you're walking on eggshells, or have to apologize for situations where you feel you're both responsible. It's often tough to help or support someone whose perspective seems to differ greatly from reality. If they seem judgmental or accusatory towards you and others, drawing boundaries can help. Detach as much as you can from their negativity and hand responsibility back to them. You can still have compassion and care for someone even though you need to take a little space sometimes. Offer help with finding solutions. You may want to protect your loved one from situations where they might feel further victimized. But this can drain your emotional resources and make the situation even worse. A better option can be to offer help. Without fixing anything for them, you can do this in three steps. Number one, acknowledge their belief that they can't do anything about the situation. 
Number two, ask what they would do if they had the power to do something. Number three, help them brainstorm possible ways of achieving that goal. For example, I know it seems like no one wants to hire you. That must be really frustrating. What does your ideal job look like? Depending on their response, you might encourage them to broaden or narrow their search, consider different companies, or even try other areas. Rather than giving direct advice, making specific suggestions, or solving the problem for them, you're helping them realize they may actually have the tools to solve it on their own. Offer encouragement and validation. Your empathy and encouragement may not lead to immediate change, but they can still make a difference. Encouragement works in every situation, so never hold it back. Try pointing out things they're good at, highlighting their achievements, reminding them of your affection, validating their feelings. People who lack strong support networks and resources to help them deal with trauma may have a harder time overcoming feelings of victimization. So encouraging your loved ones to talk to a therapist can also help. Consider where they're coming from. People with a victim mentality may feel hopeless, believe they lack support, blame themselves, um, lack self-confidence, have a low self-esteem, struggle with depression, and even PTSD. These difficult feelings and experiences can increase emotional distress, making a victim mentality even tougher to overcome. Having a victim mentality doesn't excuse bad behavior. We're not saying that. It's important to set boundaries for yourself, but also understand there may be a lot more going on than simply wanting attention. Now, what if I'm the one with the victim mentality, right? You might be sitting there thinking, okay, I know how to take care of everybody else. I hope they're listening so they know how to take care of me. Feeling wounded and hurt from time to time is a healthy indication of our self-worth. So don't paint a picture for yourself. But if you do believe you're always a victim of circumstances... The world has treated you unfairly, or nothing that goes wrong is your fault, talking to a therapist may help you acknowledge other possibilities. It's a good idea to talk to a trained professional if you faced abuse or other trauma. While untreated trauma may contribute to persistent feelings of victimization, it can also contribute to depression relationship issues, and a wide, wide range of physical and emotional symptoms. The bottom line is, a victim mentality can be distressing and create challenges for both those living with it and living with people with it. But it can be overcome with help from a therapist or plenty of compassion and self-kindness. Time to change the self-talk and become your own mentor? Being around positive people who speak life and love into your world is optimal. But you can't always rely on someone else to be there when you need a shoulder to cry on or a joyful injection of good news. 
It may take you clearing out the dark corners of your mind and replacing the negative with positive. Here are some mantras to get you started. Number one, all the strength you need to lead your life in the direction that feels good is within. You don't need to acquire or learn anything. It's all inside of you. You are amazing, purposeful. You deserve to have all the happiness in the world. There is nothing you can't achieve when you put your mind to it. Get out of your own way and start taking action in the direction that feels good. Life is always going to ebb and flow. Some days you win, some days you lose. It's all part of the journey. Don't beat yourself up. You're simply doing the best you can with what you know. So is everyone around you. You are unbelievably powerful. If you could catch a glimpse of your own power, you would never settle for anything less than your worth. You are worth whatever you believe you're worth. You teach others how to treat you by what you tolerate and what you don't say. No one can take away your power. This is an illusion, a false barrier you have built for yourself. You can claim your power the minute you realize you have it. You are not defined by what other people think of you. You're defined by how you think about yourself. Self-approval does not rest in achievements, accomplishments, money, a fancy car, or success. Your self-approval is within. Anything else is just a distraction. When you love yourself and know you are worthy, the universe responds in kind and delivers back to you more of the same. Life is always mirroring back what you're feeling. The more self-worth you have, the more worth you're going to find in the experience that life brings you. Your self-worth can be measured in how much you truly love yourself. When you love yourself, you automatically become worthy. Find it in your heart to forgive. You need not carry around any pains from the past or burdens on your shoulders. You are worthy of this. You are worthy of abundance. You are worthy of happiness. And you are worthy of a fantastic life. The only person you need to convince of this is yourself. Have you ever been asked, if you could be a superhero, what would be your superpower? Seeing through metal? Leaping tall buildings? Breathing underwater? For me, I need a few. I would like to be able to sense another person's troubles. So often we are experts at masking our deeper feelings. I would like to look inside someone to see what they're going through. Sounds scary, but of course I would have an empathetic but protective shield around me to protect myself from absorbing someone else's energy. I'm typically bubbly and happy, and in some ways, that's great. But in others, I feel people may be resistant to show their true feelings around me. Then I would need the power to teleport wherever I was needed. If I could also have willpower like steel, that would be great too. And a disdain for carbs would be totally handy. 
Would your superhero be to save yourself or someone else? How about a little of both? Of course, it's fun to fantasize about dressing up as our alter ego and fighting all the demons in our lives. But the reality is, you do have power over your life. Even on the days you feel powerless, there is a phone booth just ready for you to change, empower yourself, and fly to your own rescue. For fun, you can go to whatsyourpower.com and take a short quiz to find out what your superhero power might be. Not sure they nailed it with me, but here's mine. Webslinger. Amazing. Spectacular. That's just a couple of words people use to describe you. You are funny, quirky, and maybe a little nerdy in a good way. But you can totally be the hero at times. You dabble in a lot of different things and have been known to stay up to all hours on different projects. Characteristics, fun, flexible, adventuresome, and inventive. Well, they have the characteristics part down, but I want to make the world a better place, not the web. To get here, to be any help at all, I had to start with myself. I had things a little distorted. Instead of helping to make a world a better place, I wanted to fix the people in my life to make my world a better place. Helpful? No. Unproductive and frustrating. I had to grab my own oxygen mask first before I could assist anyone else. Why is it that we put ourselves last and why self-care should be a priority? Hey, Joe Ritchie gives us her insight on this in an article she wrote for Tiny Buddha. Sometimes when we're feeling stressed and running around taking care of everybody else, the healthiest thing that we can do is to stop and consider how we can take care of ourselves. While this seems obvious to some people, many of us struggle with the idea of putting ourselves first. We were raised to think we should always put others before ourselves and ignore our own needs. That it's somehow arrogant or self-centered and not a nice thing to do. So, why is self-care not held in high regard as the essential practice that it is for our well-being? Here are some misconceptions that hold us back from looking after the most important person in our lives, ourselves. Number one, we think self-care means being selfish. Taking care of ourselves is the opposite of being selfish. It strengthens us and enables us to support our loved ones better. We are no use to anyone if our energy is depleted because we've given every last bit of it away. Self-care is an antidote to stress, and it builds resilience so we can better cope with challenges. Just think how they tell us to put on our oxygen mask first on the airplane before we help others. Yes, absolutely support others, but nurture yourself first. Number two, we confuse rescuing with caring. 
We often sacrifice self-care because we're too busy trying to save everyone else. But people have to learn their own lessons in life, however painful that may be. Who are you to decide that you know what is right for them? Now that is selfish. And it's based on your own desires for them, which may not truly be in their best interest. The way you can really help is to focus on yourself and stop trying to run others' lives. While we think we're caring by rescuing them from unpleasant experiences in their lives, we're denying them of the opportunity to face their own challenges and grow stronger by learning lessons while doing so. This might be a hard truth to face because it might seem like you're being nice and caring, but rescuing them every time out of what you believe is love enables this person to stay helpless. And you're burning yourself out by being stressed. This doesn't mean you should never help people, but there's a difference between providing support for somebody who asks and taking it upon yourself to save somebody and make their life turn out in a way that you think it should. Number three, we are accustomed to relationships based in neediness, not love. We often fall in love with the idea of being in love because we watch Hollywood films that portray love as dramatic and needy 24-7. When we give from this place, we give too much because we believe we have to die for that person and other such dramatic statements. As Ernest Hemingway wrote in Men Without Women, The most painful thing is losing yourself in the process of loving someone too much and forgetting that you are special too. Instead of spending our every waking hour thinking about that other person and forgetting ourselves, we would be better served by focusing on ourselves. This way, we'll be able to give from a place of wholeness without expecting anything in return or feeling resentful. As Raleigh May said, love is generally confused with dependence. But in point of fact, you can only love in proportion to your capacity for independence. If we take care of ourselves, we are more independent, less needy of getting attention or affection, and more capable of truly connecting with another human being. Number four. We don't realize we teach people how to treat us. We teach people how to treat us by our own actions and attitude towards ourselves. By putting signs out there that you are a rescuer and will sacrifice yourself to help others, you attract the sort of people who want to be rescued and who feel it's all about them, not a balanced relationship. Then you have made it a self-fulfilling prophecy by effectively bringing about what you always complain that you attract, people who take advantage of your good nature. Here, it is useful to question whether they have really taken everything we have or if we've voluntarily given it to them. Yes, they have played a part, but we can't change them 
We only have control over our own actions. So what part did we play? Although this can be hard to hear, there is always a payoff for us. Is it that you always get to be the nice guy or the victim? Hmm, take a long, hard look at that. Number five, we expect others to take care of us. While we might believe that our actions are purely altruistic and caring, are we actually expecting something in return? I have previously been guilty of giving everything and believing I was being nice, but then feeling resentful when they inevitably didn't give back in equal measure. It's easy to complain about what others aren't doing. It's hard to accept that we have chosen to give all our love to them and keep none for ourselves. Expecting them to fill a gap they couldn't fill because it was our own self-esteem that was missing. Somebody may take advantage of your caring nature, but if you lie down to be walked on, You can't be surprised when people treat you like a doormat. Your self-care is your responsibility and no one else's. Number six, we don't realize our worth. Ultimately, it boils down to the fact that we think others are worth more than us. If we're confident in our love for ourselves and treat ourselves as if we are worthy, then that is what we will attract back. It comes down to the whole self-love thing again. There's a reason why this is a cliche, though because the key of meaningful relationships really is to love ourselves first. So what does self-care actually look like? Self-care is essential for all of us, but looks different from person to person. We are all individuals with different preferences. Listen to your inner voice to find out what makes you content. Sometimes we can't even hear our own inner voice because we're so busy anticipating the needs of those we care about. So you might have to listen carefully at first. Here are a list of self-care practices to give you some inspiration. What sounds good to you? You might have many of your own. Being fully in and embracing the present moment. Mindfully living. Are you there now? Preparing and eating three healthy meals a day, avoiding sugar fixes. Getting outside every day. Exercising. Doing something you enjoy every day. Being creative. Spending time with positive people. Setting healthy boundaries. Saying no more often. Identifying negative self-talk and changing it to positive. Pausing before reacting. Getting one thing done every day and then celebrating this achievement. Looking after your health, body, skin, hair, teeth. Making regular appointments. Being grateful. Starting each day with at least three things you can be thankful for. Yoga. Meditation. 
laughing more, and starting the day with a smile. Singing or dancing wherever and whenever possible. Having more fun and taking life less seriously. Treating yourself with love and compassion. Being your own best friend. Focusing on yourself and prioritizing your needs. Not focusing on the lives of everyone else. Spending time alone and being still every day. Being your true authentic self. Listening to your inner voice, intuition, and doing what feels right. Avoiding overanalyzing a situation. Limiting your time on Facebook and other social media platforms. Not worrying about what other people think about you. Getting a good night's sleep every night. Being patient with yourself. Self-development is important, no matter how challenging. What's your most important self-care practice? I will just keep saying it because you know what? You can never hear it too much. You are important. And taking care of yourself, your wants, needs, and desires are important. Finding a positive support system is paramount. Plugging into good people who want the best for you and guide you instead of holding you back is critical. Spending time connecting spiritually and listening, studying, and meditating is soul-nourishing. Saving yourself isn't one act of bravery. It's an ongoing, meaningful mission. So, you pick up the red phone or you flash the signal. What's the message? Where are you in distress? Look at your life not as a damsel in distress, but where you feel depleted or lacking. Maybe you don't have the experience or knowledge to get yourself out of a sticky situation. Maybe you're left holding the bag of a distressing memory you can't seem to let go of. Or maybe you're afraid and waiting for the getaway car because you can't seem to move past your fear. Just as superheroes have powers and props to help them through any struggle, so do you. want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, don't accept your circumstances without activating your power to choose, your mood, your resolve, your outcome. Decide your desire for happiness is stronger than your need for control. Let go and move on. Claim victory and celebrate your journey. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear.